hello and welcome to the Drop Everything podcast. Dude, we got a little countdown there. That was fun. I liked that. <laughs> We're uh, trying a new recording tool for the podcast this time. And today I am joined by Heather Dunning, who supports uh, Stan Humphrey's Zillow Group CTO. Uh, I'm sorry, CAO, but she also supports the CTO, David Vitale. Hello. <laughs> and I'm also here with Melinda, who supports uh, Steve Capeza, who's the VP of the PA sales, and she supports the majority of the PA leadership and uh, team as well. Hello, everyone. Thank you guys for joining me today. It's kind of a busy week, but um, we actually got through this awesome admin offsite recently that had a ton of great content, and Heather and Melinda headed that up, so I wanted to have them join us to kind of go over you know, the, the details and the feedback they got on from this offsite and everything that went into taking to planning such an offsite. So um, starting off with the best question, what was, what was the hardest part of planning the offsite to you two? Um, I can go ahead and say, I think the hardest part for me personally was just pushing myself out of my comfort zone to be a co-host with Heather and moderating um, a speaking session with Kristen. Public speaking just like never, ever feels natural or comfortable for me. So I definitely felt nervous, but I think it was like the best group to get some practice. And I definitely feel a little bit better about it now. Oh, my goodness. I think that almost every one of our speakers said the same thing, that they were nervous, uh, which just really goes to show that it's you're your own biggest critic. We've talked about this um, and being nervous is pretty natural, I think. Um, I would definitely have to agree that that was a hard part. Um, as for the planning, it was a lot of people involved. There were a lot of people involved. It was coordinating with a lot of different folks all remotely. This was my first large event that I've planned that was going to be virtual or remote. And so that was total learning experience for how to coordinate everyone. I'm used to just sitting in a conference room, maybe having one or two people on uh, blue jeans. But this time it was just a lot more um, shared documents, shared planning documents, a lot of emails, a lot of Zoom calls. Uh, so getting used to the virtual nature of planning an event. Yeah, that leads into the next question. Well, what's your best takeaway? from planning that offsite in terms of, you know, content or collaboration virtually that you would give to other admins that want to do an offsite like this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, so along with what I said, just taking advantage of all of our virtual tools, uh, Melinda and I used a Google Sheet that we both could access. Um, we used, we had a weekly Zoom call um, and then lots of email and Slack conversations in between. Yeah, I mean, Heather and I spent about eight weeks planning this. I didn't realize that it was that it was taking us that long until I went back and looked through the calendar and all of um, <laughs> our sessions that we had. But it was eight weeks worth. Um, I talked to Heather more than anybody else during the whole planning <laughs> session. Um, there was just so much involved, like everything from like collecting the survey responses from the team to like us just sitting down with like pen to paper and just brainstorming from scratch. Like, what are we going to include in all of these sessions and incorporate all of the great feedback that we got? Um, and it was really awesome to see all of that come to life. So like the best takeaway um, for me was like preparation is critical um, and just like 
you know, making sure we had all of our details. Cause like Heather said, this was our first, you know, go at planning something this big virtually, which we hadn't done before. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was awesome. And from the feedback, you guys are really teeing me up here in my questions. <laughs> no, um... uh, I was going to say, it's interesting how some things were easier to do remote and some things were harder. Um, so like the collaboration was pretty easy to do remote, but like the actual event itself, some things felt harder, like not being able to see people's reactions in real time and like not being able to just have a little side conversations easily in between sessions. Those are sure. things I missed. Yeah, yeah, I definitely miss running around like a chicken with its head cut off during events. <laughs> people. Um, yeah, what is, uh, from the feedback that you guys got from the survey that you sent out, what did people find as the most valuable type of content? They absolutely loved the fireside chat. I think that something about that format and the people that we the leaders that we were able to get for those. Um, I think that combo, there's just something about, I mean, kind of like this podcast, like a conversation is much more engaging and feels more authentic. And I feel like you get more interesting nuggets from people than you would mm -hmm. if they had a prepared speech to give yeah. or present. So I think that, yeah, the fireside chats were a big hit. Yeah, I remember our fireside chat from the admin summit before this, where it had the executive assistants from like Starbucks and Uber CEOs. Mm. That one was great. I got so much information out of that. Yeah. Yeah, the fireside chats were a hit, like Heather said. And then we just had a lot of positive feedback from any type of um, executive leadership. Um, mm. It seems like, you know, we just like no matter how many we have, we just see, we can always add more. Um, and it was really exciting just to see how many people said that they just wanted to do these offsites more often or just, um, you know, have more, more options to collaborate and to build community virtually since we are still all apart. So that was like the coolest thing um, is just to see the level of engagement and like how many people found value um, in, in the summit. I thought it was a, awesome. I thought it was a success. Oh, absolutely. If there's one thing that each of you could have changed that you did, and then one thing that you would add for next time, what would it be? Melinda, you can kick us off. Ooh, if there's one thing I could change. I wish for my, my particular session with Kristen that I would have been a little bit easier on myself and just calmed my nerves a little bit more. Um, you know, kind of back to what we were talking about earlier is just so many nerves and just feeling uncomfortable public speaking. But um, I think just taking a step back for a minute and just recognizing that that I'm human and it's okay if it, everything doesn't come out exactly the way I want it to, that, you know, being natural and, and vulnerable, um, sometimes you get, you get the best results from that. So mm -hmm. um, yeah, I wish it would have been just a little bit easier on myself for that. Nice. And then one thing that you think you would want to add to if there was another summit. Hmm. More Franz chocolates. You can never. <laughs> this is always. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I support this. <laughs> that was going to be my thing. I could change, like, just uh, give everyone a 24 piece box. <laughs> or a 36 piece. Uh, it's up on sugar the whole summit you're watching. <laughs> 
brands are the best. Um, yeah, I would change just little things like being able to um, maybe have another yoga session or some kind of other activity or, or some kind of morale event. I really enjoyed our get to know the other assistance activities, but there wasn't really a morale component in terms of like a, a, an outside activity that we mm-hmm. did together. I loved all the ideas from the events team that they presented. Um, and so maybe doing like an Airbnb experience next time, I guess I'm kind of rolling my answer into the <laughs> what I would want to do next time. Well, yeah, no, that was fun. Now, now to get to the really hard questions, what are you both planning on making for Thanksgiving? We, my family, we just had a family meeting the other night, and we decided to order a box, like Thanksgiving in a box. I'm thinking of that too. Uh, what about you, Melinda? You know, we were just talking about it this morning and trying to figure out what we're gonna do. I feel like we're a little bit last minute this year, but I might just take. Uh, that idea from Heather and do that too because it sounds so great and easy. Oh my god, we're all just ordering boxes this year. <laughs> we love to cook. <laughs> yeah, and you're supporting what t- put my family over the edge and deciding that is that we feel like we're supporting a local restaurant. We're ordering it from um, Plum on Capitol Hill and so feeling like we're supporting a restaurant and just we get to spend more time together not cooking. Nice. I think we've all been doing a lot of cooking this year yeah. at home. I used to eat lunch out at work like every day. <laughs> and not to be too, uh, put it on a depressing note, but you know, the COVID numbers are like breaking records every day now. So when you order out in a box, it like very much accommodates the single person life, right? Like you can order a single or two person portion. Whereas if I'm cooking everything, I'd be eating that for like two weeks straight. Yeah. I made a single cookie yesterday. I was kind of, uh, it was kind of a sad moment. When it came out of the oven, I like took a picture of it and sent it to my friends. Just like cookies for one. <laughs> Sounds really funny. Um, what's everyone's favorite Thanksgiving dish traditionally if we were cooking? Stuffing. I love mm-hmm. stuffing, like any kind. And like whatever we do for Thanksgiving, like whether we host it or go somewhere else, like I'm always a fan of trying new stuffings. It's like my number one favorite. That's pretty solid because it's basically bread. Delicious. Yeah. Whenever <laughs> we're back in the office, I'll have to bring in some of my grandma used to make this like very Chinese style stuffing, which is really different, but we all like love it so much. I'll have to bring that in sometime. That sounds so good. I'll have to make a special trip all the way up to Seattle just <laughs> Absolutely. Mine is probably my mom's jello salad, which jello is one food I really don't like normally and don't eat or make. But some for some reason on Thanksgiving, probably just because I've eaten it almost every Thanksgiving for my whole life, she makes a layered jello salad with raspberries and strawberries and sour cream and it just all works somehow mm. delicious and what was in thanksgiving or dinner party what's like the worst screw up on a dish you brought to thanksgiving or a dinner party that you ever had oh wow yeah that's a tough one okay because i remember one time and this was like you know fresh out of like you're still like in i think i was still in my like senior year of college still so you have like no idea what you're doing cooking or at least i didn't yet i got really passionate about it like after i graduated 
Um, so in my head, I don't know why, we were just having like a board game night. And I was like, oh, I could throw together this recipe and it's like a chicken recipe and I'll throw it in the oven. And really, as long as the chicken's done, that's all that matters. You know, if you leave it in there extra time, it's not a big deal. <laughs> it mm -hmm. became the driest, toughest chicken I have ever had in my life. And my poor friends are like trying to down it like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. I felt awful. And that's when I learned about overcooking things. <laughs> you know, now that you say that, it reminded me of, I think this was like maybe two months ago, but we were doing a family dinner and I was like, oh, let's cook Italian. It'll be super simple. And I mean, I can't mess it up. And the sauce and the veggies and everything else turned out great, except for I overcooked the angel hair pasta and it was just this like gummy mess and there was just no recovery and everyone was so amazing. They said that it was super good, but it's like I knew that it was like a total, total miss. <laughs> but everyone did not go home hungry. So that was the goal. And we had great family time. Yeah, I can't I can't think of a Thanksgiving one, but I was I signed up to bring a meal to a friend friends who had just had a baby and I had just gotten a new um not a cast iron skillet, but a like a Le Creuset, but not Le Creuset, it's a knockoff. Um but anyway, one that can go in the oven. And so I wanted to make a frittata where I could put the eggs, like start the eggs on the stovetop and then pop the whole pan in the oven to let it finish cooking. So I did that plan and, and was planning to take it with me to this, um, to these people who just had a baby and I left it in the oven for so long. It looked fine on top, but the bottom like completely stuck to the cast iron oh, or yeah. whatever it was that's not cast iron. And like, I, when they gave me the pan back, it was just like, I just told them, don't worry about cleaning it. Like, I just have to, like, get a new pan. Like, it totally ruined it. <laughs> oh, no. And then to close this out, the questions I try to ask everybody, what are your favorite meals and your favorite quirky craving? Well, we talked about this a little bit. Got a sneak peek at the summit. My favorite meal <laughs> is wood-fired pizza, preferably thin crust, Neapolitan style. Uh, preferably a restaurant that has been labeled the Vera Napolitano, Neapolitano. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but there's a certification that you can get that means like true Neapolitan style pizza. Oh, interesting. If a restaurant has that, I want to go. I did not know that. So yeah, I shared the same in um, the summit. My favorite meal is a classic Caesar salad and I love chocolate chip cookies. Um, but I guess what makes it a little bit interesting too, is that my favorite homemade chocolate chip cookies are made with chickpeas to replace the gluten. And some oh. people find that really interesting. Um, I just absolutely love them. They're like my favorite cookies and I crave them all the time. Nice and quirky craving. Well, uh, what I was thinking was like quirky food thing. And that for me is I love cold food. Like I. I eat cold food most of the time, like unless I've just cooked it um, and it's hot. It happens to be hot. Like I don't ever like reheat food. I just eat it cold. Like I like the flavors, how they change when they're cold. I like a lot of things, Code, too. I'm with you. They're like fried chicken, pizza. I can like mm -hmm. take that right out of the fridge and eat it. 
Yes, both of those. I guess it's weird that I don't like or that I that I like to reheat everything. Like I cannot eat cold pizza or like cold fried chicken. Like I have to heat it back up. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's weird. Right. I also really like this sounds weird. Maybe I'm the medium person because I like both, but I also really like the dynamics of when a dish has cold and hot. So like if you go to a sushi oh. place and you get a trashy bowl with yeah. like the like cold sashimi on top of like hot rice or with hot rice, I love that like blend of hot and cold. We're like Goldilocks all up in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for taking the time out to join me today. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having us. And until next time, always have a plan. And be ready to drop everything. <laughs>